Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Multifaceted Athlete. I'm your host. I never say I'm the host, but I'm your host, Coaching Klutz, Kelly Lutz. You all know me by now, I think. (laughs) This is episode 69, so it's been a while since we started this little adventure. Today is another solo episode. It's not a what's what with Klutz. We have actual topics today. So some of you responded to one of my surveys a while ago, and there are a lot of questions that y'all submitted. So I chose three that I'm going to cover in this episode. The majority of this episode will be about tapering. So if you have a race coming up, you might want to listen to this one. Or, you know, if you're racing in the future, taper is important. And I feel like it can be kind of confusing, mostly because it's very individual, which we'll get into later, because that's really Everything that's individual, it's hard to give the general advice on a podcast, but there are some guidelines that you want to follow, but that's question number two. First, this first question is pretty short, mostly because I feel like I've talked about this quite a bit, but I do want to answer this question, revisit it. It is how to schedule strength to keep hard days hard and easy days easy, especially with a full-time job and other life responsibilities. So the nature of how this question was asked, I think you questioner know the answer to this if you want to keep your hard days hard then you have to do your strength sessions on your hard running days and that really limits your flexibility during the week so if you do one speed workout and one long run those are your two hard days you're going to do your strength on those two days so your flexibility will come in when to schedule those hard running days but in general you just you want them to be spread out you don't want them back to back Like you don't want your speed workout the day before the long run and vice versa. You could do that, but I think if you try that, you'll find that is not fun. (laughs) And your second hard session will suffer because you're not fully recovered from your first session. So we want to spread them out so you can fully recover and get the most out of your hard running sessions. So if you want to keep your hard days hard, then you have to do doubles with your hard running days, do strength. And if running is your priority, which I'm guessing it is, then you'll want to do, or I recommend doing your run first so you can get the most out of your hard run. Do your strength either right after or later in the day. Personally, I like to split up on double days. I like to do something in the morning and then something in the afternoon or after work. That's how I like to do it. I know a lot of people do like to do, if you have the time to do so, do your run immediately after do your strength. And all of this depends, you know, how long is your run? How long does your strength take? What is your daily schedule like? Do you have the time? A lot of people, it's probably easier to split it up. So if you want to keep hard days hard, that's what you're going to have to do. I would, if you're interested in this approach, I would say try it out for a couple weeks. Don't 
judge it based on the first week you do it because if you're not used to doing everything hard on one day you're probably going to be more tired than usual and that's expected because you're doing something that you haven't been doing before so and this goes for whenever you're trying out new training schedules new ways of training doing something adding in strength that you haven't done before give it some time Give yourself some time to adapt and see if that schedule, modality, whatever it may be, actually works for you or if it doesn't. And that's hard to tell in the first couple of weeks because you're just not used to it yet. So it's going to feel tougher than what you were doing before. So that's how you can schedule strength to keep hard days hard. The alternative is to do, I like to do sometimes my hard running day and the next day with the easy run do my strength so that the strength is still close to your hard day so that you have time to recover from the strength ideally before your next hard day but it's not necessarily on the same day it all depends on what you prefer what your life looks like i usually flip-flop back and forth right now i'm not doing any speed days or really long days because of my knees so it's less of an issue but yeah, those are the two ways I would recommend incorporating strength into your running routine. That is also assuming you do two strength days a week. If you're doing more, it you are probably going to have to either do back-to-back strength days or your strength is going to be close to one of your hard running days and that's just, that's going to be how it is. So like right now I'm doing three strength days. Usually it's Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, and the Tuesday day. I have the flexibility to do Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm trying to do it Tuesday. But under this framework, once I do start getting back into long runs and speed workouts, it's kind of unavoidable. My long run is probably going to be on Saturday. Or if you are listening, you're probably going to have a long run on Saturday. So then Friday would be the day before, which is strength. But in those situations, if you are doing three days of lifting a week and you have to do, I mean, you never have to do anything, but if one of your strength sessions lands the day before a hard workout, don't go balls to the wall in that strength session. So scale that strength session back. You can still do strength the day before. Just don't make it super high volume, super fatiguing, you know, get your strength stimulus in, but keep in mind that the next day you are trying to do a hard run. So scale back your strength the day before a hard workout if your schedule works out that your strength session does land the day before your hard run. If you're only doing strength once a week, then it's a lot easier to schedule. I would do it on the day you do your speed workout, keep that day really hard, and that way you'll be fully recovered from the hard day on your next hard day, your long run. You could also do it on your long run. You know, some people have more time on the weekend when you do your long run, but you also might want to use that time to do other things with your life, not training outside of your long run. But those are the guidelines. I also, if you are not subscribed to my newsletter, I've been talking about strength for the past two uh, newsletters, chronicles as I'm calling them. And this is all written down. So if you're more of a person that needs to read something or see examples, the last newsletter, if you're listening to this the day this episode comes out, the beginning of June newsletter, 
I go into the details of how to incorporate strength with your running. So highly recommend subscribing. And if you want the June, early June newsletter, you're not subscribed, shoot me an email, kelly at coachingclass.com, and I will send you the link so you can get that information because it's basically everything you just asked, but in written form, which can be easier to digest sometimes. Okay, so hopefully that helped. Um, I know I talk about strength and incorporating it with running a lot, but it's something that it's can be so confusing and it doesn't always have to be. So I'll probably keep talking about it a lot, but for now, that question is over. Okay, so let's talk about tapering. I got a question, how to taper? Very open-ended question. So basically, most of us know we want to taper before a race. So it's usually right before our A race because we want to have our peak performance on race day. We want to perform our best on race day. And so the taper is basically a time when we are aiming to decrease our fatigue from the training we've done leading up to this race and increase fitness for the race day um, performance. And additionally, it's a nice break mentally as well as physically that allows our bodies to adapt to the training and our minds. Because as you all know, mentality is a huge part of running so you need a break mentally as well and the goal of taper is you want to be fully recovered from training but you don't want to have lost fitness because we want to express that fitness on race day so i think where a lot of people get confused with tapering is in the details so it's usually like how long should i taper what does taper actually look like am i doing it right am i doing it wrong and like i mentioned at the top of this episode taper is extremely individual so there are some guidelines that i'll go over but you really need to and this is kind of like training schedules and training in general you need to figure out what works best for you what makes you feel your best on race day and if it's not what these general guidelines are like that's totally cool and we're also still i think learning what is the quote-unquote optimal way to taper but generally taper how much you need to taper is proportional to your peak training so in general you know the longer distances you're usually training with more volume and i say usually obviously it's not the case all of the time because If you're an elite 5K runner, you are running, or a professional 5K runner, runner, you are doing a lot of training for a 5K. So I don't want to say a 5K has a shorter taper than a marathon, for example, because as we'll get into, it matters more. Like I just said, it's proportional to what your peak training is. So me training for a 5K is very different than someone training for world championships in the 5k you know so their taper is going to look different than mine even though we're running the same distance so generally higher volume training are more they will benefit more from taper just because there's so much hard training and a huge volume of it which you know creates more fatigue so the more fatigue you have the more the taper will help you in a general sense. And that's why when you see guidelines, you'll see like 
the marathon and ultras will recommend a longer taper. It's usually because there's more fatigue leading up to the races due to the training involved with those distances versus 5K, 10K, half marathon. But like I said, it's individual. It depends on your peak training. So in general, if you want some timelines for ultra marathons, the recommended length of a taper ranges from two to three weeks and then finding what works for you within that time frame. Marathon is usually two or three weeks as well. Half marathon, probably something 10 to 14 days and then 5K, 10K, seven to 10 days. But some, you know, some runners respond well to longer periods of rest. Some runners feel more flat on race day if they rest too much. Taper is about finding the balance between reducing your volume, your training volume, so that your fatigue goes away. Not completely, but you know, your fatigue from peak training goes away, but not so much that you are losing the adaptations you made throughout your whole training cycle because you did all this hard work leading up to taper and you don't want to lose it by tapering too long and then not being able to perform your best on race day so there are some guidelines going into taper so the first isn't actually in taper but right before taper usually you'll see in training plans there's a period of functional overreaching so that you're getting a big stimulus before taper. It's usually when your peak weeks are, if you're familiar with any training plan you've trained for a race. So you're doing a little bit more than your body can handle, and then you're going to taper so that your body can adapt to the functional overreaching that you just did. And the important part here is you don't want to functionally overreach for too long because then that gets into the realm of overtraining. So it's usually only a couple weeks where you're doing, you're reaching farther than you have in training in the past. And then it's followed by the taper where you reduce training and then you can adapt. So we're kind of like slingshots, right? So in order to go farther, we need to pull it back, you know, This isn't a visual thing because it's a podcast, but hopefully that made sense. I'm sure you have heard it before. So functional reaching, overreaching prior to the taper. Going into the taper, you want to reduce your training volume. The most beneficial from the scientific literature is a form of exponential decay, a steep exponential decay. So you want to reduce your volume steeply at first and then gradually to race day. In terms of numbers, obviously, like I mentioned before, figuring out what works best for you, but reducing your volume the first week of taper down to 40 to 60% of peak volume. And then the week after usually will be the week of the race, depending on your distance, how long your taper is, will be slightly less than that, but not as extreme of a drop as that first week. So I think a lot of people understand the reducing the volume piece of this. And along with reducing your training volume, you want to keep intensity in your week. You don't want to remove intensity. And what intensity you're doing depends on what you're training for. So like for an ultra, that'll be very different than a 5K. 
So you want to reduce the volume of your intensity. So your speed workout should not be as long as it was in previous weeks before the taper, but you want to keep that intensity in there. So it'll look something like reducing the number of intervals that you do in your speed workout or keeping the number of intervals, reducing the amount of time in each interval, that kind of thing. And it's recommended you do your last hard specific workout 10 to 14 days out from your race day. And then the last guideline is to keep the frequency of running that you're used to throughout your taper. So while we're reducing your overall training volume, we don't want to reduce the number of days per week that you're running. So if you're used to running five or six days a week during training, you're going to do that same thing during taper. The only thing I would say is the week of the race, you might have one more rest day than usual. So obviously you would be running less than usual, but usually only reducing your frequency by one day. And usually that would occur in race week. So you have more rest going into race day. And the last thing I want to note about taper is I like to keep strides in there. Uh, So strides are just really short accelerations. It's not a sprint, not, not super intense. It's just helping you get that leg turnover, a little bit of speed, but those I like to keep during taper. And I specifically like to do them the day before a race during a shakeout run. So the shakeout run is just the last really slow run before race day, usually the day before. Um, And then I like to add on some strides to the end. So like four by 20 second strides. And with the shakeout run, this is also individual. Some people like to run the day before their race. Some people prefer to rest. So figure out what works for you. Personally, I like to run the day before my race. And I think that's partially because I'm used to running six days a week. So it's not out of the ordinary for me to, you know, run the day before a hard effort that kind of thing. But yeah, find what works for you. But that is a common framework for the day before a race. And even with ultras, I do like to keep strides in there. So just wanted to mention that. But yeah, I hope that was helpful. Um, If you have any more specific questions about taper, shoot them my way. You can email me or DM me on Instagram at Coaching Klutz. Okay, and the last question, which will be fairly quick, because I'm not going to go too deep into this. But it's how far out should I start training for my 50K? So just like everything else, this really depends on a lot of factors. But the short answer is for a 50K, I would recommend four to six months of training. If you need to build a base, you'll want to train for longer. If you don't need to build a base, your dedicated training for the 5K can be shorter. With any race, ultras especially, The more time you can train for them, the better. We like a long runway leading up to a race. It allows for any alterations we need to make, anything that pops up in life, which, you know, it's going to, something's going to happen at some point that's going to interrupt your training. When you have more time leading up to a race, it makes those instances a little less stressful because you don't feel as much pressure to fit in all the training because you have plenty of time. So I recommend that you give yourself as long 
as you can, uh, which, you know, I don't think a lot of people like that answer, but training for a 50K, four to six months, I'd recommend. If you are training continuously and you have a fairly high baseline, you could get away with four months of training. It depends on the event too, but that would be the minimum I would recommend. Maybe three months, depending on your baseline. And then if you need to build up your baseline volume in order to be able to handle the load that a 50K uh, requires, then I would veer on the longer end, closer to six months, if not more. But I guess it might be helpful. I like runners to be at about four hours-ish of running a week by the four-month mark. I think that gives a good runway for increasing to the peak weeks and just having a lot more uh, time to play around with and for volume and speed work. But yeah, for training for a 50K, that's the time frame I would recommend. But with any of these answers, it depends on a lot of factors. Depends on you and your life. What's your training history? Is this your first 50K? Have you been running continuously? All of those things. So this was actually a lot shorter than I anticipated, but hopefully you enjoy this episode with a couple of questions that I've gotten. If you have not already, JK and I started a new podcast. I meant to mention this at the top of the episode and then completely blanked because I wanted to dive into these questions, (laughs) but it's called Lifting, Running, and Living with Kelly and JK. So if you like our conversations, you can find all of those over there from now on. Um, we will release episodes every other Friday. And if you're like, Kelly, how are you going to do two podcasts? I have no idea. We're going to figure it out as we go. It might just be some shorter episodes on the multifaceted athlete when we have longer episodes on lifting, running, and living. But we'll see. I really like podcasting. So I'm excited to have two podcasts. And yeah, so subscribe to both podcasts, rate and review. That'll probably be the last I mention of the other podcasts on here. But in case you didn't listen last week, we did release our first episode. And yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you soon. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time. 